So a little background on this scripture passage just as we get into it. It's Acts 2, verses 1 through 21. So if you, if you want to pull it up on your phone or if you have your, an iPad with you or something, if you want to do that, it'll be up on the screen as well. So the day of Pentecost was 50 days after Passover. It's also called Jewish celebration, the Feast of Weeks. Uh, it is a celebration of the, um, some first fruits of the harvest. They're just beginning to do some harvesting, and so they'll bring, bring their first fruits offerings during this time. So a lot of people would, would come to Jerusalem for this, for this celebration. So a lot of people from the surrounding area and different places would be there for this celebration. Uh, it's also, they would celebrate the giving of the Torah, the first five books of the Bible that Moses, you know, the tradition is that Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible and the, the giving of the Torah, which is still the scroll, of course, that's read, uh, read today in, uh, in services. And, and so they would celebrate that. So it's a big, big, big celebration, you know, that comes again, 50 days after, uh, after Passover. So now with that background, just listen to this scripture passage. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven, living in Jerusalem. And at this sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Figria and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. In our own language, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others sneered and said, They are filled with new wine. But Peter standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions, your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit and they will prophesy. And I will show portents in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood. Before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day, then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Here ends the reading. I'm going to invite you just for a moment to just take a deep breath. In through the nose, maybe out through the nose or out through the mouth. Really let that breath go into your belly. Nice, full, deep breath. Just let it out. 
Nothing unnatural, just let it happen. Notice anything? For me, anyway, what happens is my heart rate starts to slow down just a little bit. I actually just feel a little bit more calm, a little bit more in place. And breath is essential to life, and yet I would guess for most of us, most of the time, unless we're exercising or unless we have some sort of condition where it's hard to catch our breath, we don't pay much attention to breathing at all. But is the stuff of life, if we don't breathe, we don't live. So it's interesting to me that in the scriptures from the beginning all the way through, God's spirit is really breath. God's breath. In the Hebrew scriptures, it is ruach, which is a great word. Ruach. It's God's ruach that gets breathed into this clay person, right? This mud being and animated to become the first human being or Adam. God's spirit. God's spirit moves over the watery chaos in the very beginning to create things from nothing, we are told. God's spirit comes and moves in people like the prophets and the judges in order to animate them and to to lead them into all truth. In the New Testament, then Jesus promises that the spirit will be given as an advocate for us, as a teacher of truth, as as one who will give us the power and the ability to do things even in the the absence of Jesus' bodily presence with us. For a lot of us mainline white Protestants, we get a little scared of the Spirit because it's powerful and it's different. As Douglas is saying, like if if the symbols are fire and fire is very dangerous and unpredictable, isn't it? Very dangerous and unpredictable, but yet can be used for so many things to purify to harden, actually, to clean out. And so we have these two images of breath and fire that are the Holy Spirit. And here in this passage, then, we call it the birth of the church, in a sense, because this is really the first public outing of of the Spirit and of these disciples, Because they begin to speak of God's deeds of power in a language that all these other people can understand. And what's even more powerful about this, I've gotten so used to this this passage at this time of year that that I hadn't really thought about it for a while, that all of the people that are hearing about this for the first time are outsiders to the Jesus movement, really. It says they're faithful Jews, but then it also talks about the Cretans and the Arabs, those from Crete, not the, anyway, they're not Cretans, like, well, whatever that word means, but Arabs. So it's not just the the faithful Jews, but it, but they begin to hear it in their language. These outsiders begin to hear about God's mighty acts of power in their own language. The spirit moves through them to do that. So for me, it's not that they're all of a sudden able to, to, talk in some other language, but that it makes sense now to these other people, that somehow it connects to them 
in a way that is powerful and that moves them to one, say, what is going on here? Or two, they must be drunk. That they have these sort of dual responses to it. That they hear about God's mighty acts and God's deeds of power for the first time in a way that affects them. They hear it for the first time because of the animation of the Spirit. And so sometimes I wonder, I wonder about the church today, the church, big C church, Christians around the world. Have we really or have we lost our breath? Have we gone down a path where we got so focused on right doctrine, on on what it means to believe in terms of the words that it takes and, and, the, and the things that we're supposed to understand and, and, and the principles of the Holy Spirit or the principles of Jesus or the principles of God that we have forgotten about translating that into language that other people can actually understand that would affect them and draw them in to the, a life with God, that would not push them away and separate them where they see the church or Christians as out of touch, irrelevant, divisive, angry. But they might begin to hear God's deeds of power for them in a language that they can understand. Have the church lost its breath? Have we lost ours? Have we lost the courage to seek in our own lives the Spirit? To again hear about God's deeds of power in a language that we might understand. That we then might try to take those stories and those things that we've heard throughout time and and reimagine and reinvigorate them for ourselves so that the Spirit becomes alive in us again. That we might invite God's spirit into our lives once again so that we can gain our breath and our way to live into the difficulties of this life with power, with expectation, with hope and with love and with grace. That we might make the kinds of decisions that are difficult, but yet we know that in God they are the ones we must make and we must move forward with. Have we lost our breath? I think it's a good question to ask. Anytime we talk, anytime we talk, we need translation, right? We, you know, we say a word like God, and because we think we know what it means, we think the other person knows what we mean. But for many people, the word God is fraught with all kinds of difficulties and troubles, because it's been used against them for some reason or another. Or maybe they, don't, they just don't have any understanding of what we might understand by that. Even Jesus, even the Spirit might be something that we have to translate the language for. We have to figure out new ways of opening up people's minds and hearts to God by trusting the Spirit, by being willing to translate our faith so that other people can hear it in their language. And so we ask for the Spirit, especially on this day, 
to enliven the church again, to enliven us again. That we, those who have, who have most of us been raised in the church, those of us who have, who have learned and, and sat at the feet of sages and, and elders, who have studied the scriptures in some way, shape, or form throughout our lives, that we might find new language in order to touch people with God's deeds of power in this day and this age. Because the world needs it. The world doesn't need divisiveness anymore. Never did. The world doesn't need us to say who's in and who's out. We leave that to God. The world needs us to catch our breath, to be reinvigorated, to speak of God's mighty acts in a language that everyone might hear and be drawn to once again. Pentecost didn't just happen. We pray that it happens over and over and over, that in some small way we might speak, that love would show up, and that God's Spirit would fill everyone with power and presence. So from now on, may you think of the Holy Spirit as breath and not as a noun, but as a verb, as something that animates and moves us and teaches us and draws us forward to love and to give, to serve, and to stand up for those who are oppressed and hurting to walk alongside those who need to hear about God's mighty acts of power today. May the Spirit show up for you. May you catch your breath. In the name of Jesus, amen.